0: Say, you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news on September 11th, 2001. Neither will I. I was on the 110th floor in a smoke-filled room with a man who called his wife to say goodbye. I held his fingers steady as he dialed. I gave him the peace to say, honey, I'm not going to make it, but it's okay. I'm ready to go. I was with his wife when he called as she fed breakfast to their children. I held her up as she tried to understand his words, and as she realized he wasn't coming home that night. in the stairwell of the 23rd floor when a woman cried out to me for help. I've been knocking on the door of your heart for 50 years. I said, of course, I'll show you the way home. Only believe in me now. I was at the base of the building when the priest ministered to the injured and devastated souls. I took him home to tend his flock in heaven. He heard my voice and answered. I was on all four of those planes, in every seat, with every prayer. I was with the crew as they were overtaken. I was in the very hearts of the believers there comforting and assuring them that their faith has saved them. I was in Texas, Kansas, London. I was standing next to you when you heard the terrible news. Did you sense me? I want you to know that I saw every face. I knew every name, though not all know me. Some met me for the first time on the 86th floor. Some sought me with their last breath. Some couldn't hear me calling to them through the smoke and flames. Come to me, this way, take my hand. Some chose for the final time ignore me but I was there. I did not place you in the tower that day. You may not know why but I do. However if you were there in that explosive moment in time would you have reached for me? September 11th, 2001 was not the end of the journey for you. But someday your journey will end, and I'll be there for you as well. Seek me now, while I may be found. Then, at any moment, you know you're ready to go. I will be in the stairwell of your final moments.
1: Oh God, we come to you on this September 11th. After our nation was shaken by a terrible violence. Once again, we lift up our hearts to you with a great sense of, of need. We need your strength. Which is stronger than the forces of evil. We need your justice and mercy to overcome the troubles of our time and history. We need your wisdom to face the uncertainties of life. We need your goodness and love to overcome sin and hatred. And we need your forgiveness to save us from bitterness and hostility. We acknowledge that our emptiness doesn't begin to compare to the hollowness of those who, have, who were touched more directly through the unexpected and unfair loss of family members and friends and co-workers. We ache over the ongoing armed conflict that seems to be unending. We grieve over the, the deaths of sons and daughters of our nation, as, as well as the casualties among our adversaries and our allies. We long for a stabilizing and civil civilizing resolution so that our sons and daughters may return home safely. Today, we pray for the leaders of our nation and our world to act and to react with wisdom and discernment that will diffuse conflict and advance the cause of peace. We continue to pray for all who have been injured and bereaved by the events of these ten years. We continue to pray for our country, our leaders, our military personnel. We pray for ourselves and all others who search for understanding and assurance. And, and we pray for all peace-loving people of every faith and every nation as we work together to seek solutions. We confess that during the past ten years, we have often reacted out of our fear and out of a need for retribution. Please forgive us for the times when we have retaliated instead of forgiven when we have stereotyped instead of discerned, and when we have judged instead of advocated. From this point on, help us to choose the paths that bring healing and restoration. And even though it challenges our deepest passions, O God, continue to teach us to love our enemies so that we do not become like them. May we, as your children, always be faithful to act and to react with grace and with eternal hope. In the name of the one who came to bring peace on earth, we pray. Amen. Please join me in our responsive reading titled The Litany of Remembrance and Affirmation. In horror and shock, we stood mute before you, O Lord. In distress and fear, we cried out to you. In anger and confusion, we pointed fingers and placed blame, sometimes where blame was not merited. From you, oh Lord, we ask In misunderstanding and distrust, we erected barriers and built walls. And you, O oh
2: Lord, we seek to build bridges to
1: understanding. In you, O oh Lord, we find everything we need. You are our light and our salvation. May
2: God give strength to God's people.
1: May God bless God's people with peace. Lord, Lord hear our prayer. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We welcome you here. It's, uh, it's great to be with God's people on a day like this. Uh, it's a day that we remember what took place ten years ago, and we do so with heavy hearts, uh, but also with much uh, strength, because God is with us and God has been with us throughout each day of these ten years. One thing that this reminds us of is that life can be um, uncertain, And uh, we don't know that we have another day ahead of us. We just don't know that. But that makes our relationships with one another so much stronger. And so with that in mind, let me encourage you to stand and find someone that you need to to share a good love with and, and a hello to and greet each other in the name of the Lord. And as we do, children, come forward for our children's moment. Come on, children, come to the front for a children's moment.
3: I'm mad. I am mad. I'll tell you why. Why? Why what? Why are you mad? I'm mad because Billy Buffoon busted my big
4: blue ball. Wow, that's quite a mouthful of bees. Mouthful of bees?
3: Mouthful of bees? Call a doctor. Call 911. Call paramedics. Somebody's getting sung by a mouthful of bees. I hope they keep their mouth closed. I don't want them getting out and singing me, help, the bees are coming. Calm down. What's to be calm about when somebody has a mouthful of
4: bees? Not a mouthful of bumblebees. A mouthful of wasps? They look a lot alike, but they hurt even worse. I'm out of here. Puppet, come back. It's okay. No way. I'm allergic to wasps. There are no wasps. Will you all please tell Puppet that there are no wasps or bumblebees? There are no wasps and bumblebees. But you said a mouthful of bees. I meant the letter B because you said Billy Buffoon busted your big blue ball. All these words start with B. Your sentence was a mouthful of the letter B. So there are no bees? Tell him, kids, no bees. No, bees. no wasps? Tell him, no wasps. No. Nothing that'll sting me? Tell him, no stingers. No, stingers. no stingers. Let's all tell Puppet it's safe to come out. It's safe to come out, Puppet. that scared me phew so is billy's real name billy buffoon no but he's a buffoon because that
3: joker broke my big blue ball <laughs> and that makes you mad yeah i'm not going to be friends with him anymore i'm going to stay mad at him forever wait a minute now mad forever yeah you got it forever longer than forever oh no puppy you have to forgive him Forgive him? You mean like I do my best to forget what happened and love him anyway and never bring up the fact that I will never be able to bounce my big blue ball again? You want me to try to be friends with him while my big blue ball is just a sorry busted saggy sack? Yeah, pretty much, that's right. Yep, that's the craziest thing I ever heard.
4: Well, that is what Jesus says we must do, and that is exactly what God does for us. Anytime we sin or do anything wrong and we are sorry that we've sinned, we ask God to forgive us. Then God forgives us and takes all our sin away. Not only does he forgive us, but he forgets all about it. Our sin is totally gone forever.
3: Well, I can't forget about my ball. I miss it.
4: You might not be able to totally forget, but you can still do your best to treat Billy as if he never did that. And still choose to love him and not be mad at him anymore.
3: That sounds hard.
4: Forgiveness can be hard sometimes, but it is something we have to do if we want God to forgive us.
3: You mean if I don't forgive Billy, then God won't forgive me? That is what the Bible
4: says in Matthew 18.35. So my Heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses.
3: Wow, then I better forgive Billy Buffoon. I mean, Billy.
4: Yes, you better. If it is hard to forgive, then you can pray to God and he will help you. Would you like us to help you learn our Bible verse about forgiveness? I sure would. Okay, kids, I'm going to say the verse and then you all can repeat after me. Okay? Okay, let's go. Colossians 3.13. Colossians
3: 3.13. Bear with each other. Bear with oh, each other. Ah, there's a bear now. Maybe all them bees, Pops. The bear came here. Think there with honey. Oh, boy, I don't want to face a bear, especially when he finds out there is no honey. No, no, Puppet. Let's stay focused. But you said bear. I
4: said bear with each other. That means to put up with each other. Get along with each other. God wants us to accept one another.
3: Okay, phew. That's been a scary lesson. Let's start over. I'm ready now. Colossians 3.13.
4: Okay. okay, kids, please help Puppet by repeating after me. He needs all the help he can get to today. Colossians 3.13.
3: Colossians 3.13.
4: Bear with each other.
3: Bear with each other.
4: And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another.
3: And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another.
4: And grievances, um, grievances are complaints or arguments we have with somebody. <coughs> so let's say that part again.
3: And forgive
4: whatever grievances we may have against one another.
3: And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another.
4: Forgive as the Lord forgave you.
3: Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is a great verse that Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm going to bear with Billy and forgive him. i got to run. I don't want to miss him. Bye-bye. Bye, Puppet in
5: What you're reading today is from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if someone continues to wrong me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And as it was obvious he could not pay such a great amount, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, "'Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything.' And out of pity for him and his hopeless situation— The Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him only one hundred silver coins. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But the first slave refused. And had his fellow slave thrown into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned the first slave and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Let us pray. Dear God, you are such an awesome God. You are the supreme power of the universe. And the forces of darkness cannot prevail against you. Dear God, we thank you so much for the wonderful gift of grace and the gift of forgiveness that you give every day to us. And we especially thank you because we were so burdened with sin and so separated from you that we could not find our way back. And like the master of the first slave, you paid that debt that we owed, erased that burden that we had by sending your son to die upon the cross for each one of us. Thank you, God, so much. And God, as we reflect upon that wonderful gift of forgiveness and grace, We are also reminded that in the same manner and measure that we forgive, will we ourselves be forgiven. So if we harbor hate, if we harbor bitterness, if we harbor a sense of never forgiving, so will it be when we appear before you. And so God, help us to forgive. Help us to remember the wonderful grace you have bestowed upon us as we meet the people that we come to in this world. And dear God, on this day, ten days after the horrible, horrible event that occurred in our nation, we are also thankful for the heroism, the valor of those responders who risked their lives to save fellow human beings. It humbles us and calls us to do great things like they did. And dear God, as we remember those events, we also remember that regardless of what we think, there is evil in this world that works Actively to do evil things. Help us to remember that there will always be evil in this world. And it is only until every person hears your message and internalizes it in their hearts and their soul. Will evil things cease to occur? So help us to redouble our efforts to do what you would have us to do under the Great Commission. And communicate your saving gospel to each and every person in this world so then we can have peace, serenity, and indeed heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray.
3: Heavenly Father, as we gather at this time of our service to give our offerings, we do it with a glad heart. We are grateful for so much that we receive, that often we receive so much we are unable to recognize it. Thank you for loving us. We ask a special blessing on our people who are not able to be with us today. We ask that for your healing and for your guidance. Thank you for loving us. And it is what you give to us that we give back a part. With glad tidings. Amen.
1: Hard to believe that this is the 10th anniversary of the tragic event that we know simply by its date, 9-11. On September the 11th, 2001, 19 members of a terrorist group, uh, al-Qaeda, hijacked four commercial airliners. They intentionally crashed two of them into the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City, killing everyone on board. Both buildings collapsed within two hours, destroying nearby buildings and making all of lower Manhattan inhabitable, claiming nearly 3,000 lives. They crashed a third airliner into the Pentagon just outside of Washington, D.C., in Arlington, Virginia. The fourth plane crashed into a field near shanksville pennsylvania after some of its passengers attempted to retake the plane which the hijackers had redirected towards washington to target the white house there were no survivors from any of the flights and i know that many of you were glued to your television sets and saw the collapse of the world trade center as it happened and it's a sight that many of us will never forget In the novel, The Lord of the Rings, a young nobleman confesses that he is bewildered by the changes that have taken place in his world. New powers and threats have arisen, and old friendships and loyalties have become strained, and he's afraid. And so he poses a profound question. He asks, how is one to know what to do in times like these when the the world seems to have been turned on its head? And a wise man responds that right and wrong have not changed, and that even in a chaotic and threatening world, we still possess guidance enough to find our way. We take comfort in that today, and we turn to Christ to show us the way. Now, we may think of terrorism as a fairly modern-day phenomenon, but it is not. It is a tactic that has been used almost since the very beginning of time Jesus was well acquainted with terrorism. The Roman Empire practiced state-sponsored terrorism from time to time. King Herod of Israel ordered the deaths of tiny babies in order to protect his position of power. Rome responded to rebellion by crucifying thousands of people in Galilee. And first century Jewish insurgents sometimes assassinated those who collaborated with the Romans, Jewish zealots would sometimes quietly slip a dagger into the belly of a Roman soldier as they passed on a crowded street. So you see, Jesus knew what it meant to teach and to preach and to minister in an age when terror was all around him. So we cannot say that things are different now. They are not. The methods may have changed, but the spirit and the outcome are the same. Hatred prevails and death ensues. But as we commemorate this 10th tenth, tenth anniversary of the terrorist attack on our country, we recognize that this is a difficult day for all of us. But I think that September 11th is a particularly difficult day for Christians. And the reason I say that is that an event like this calls into question all of the, the hard questions that we as Christians have about evil and how to respond to it. It evokes within us an almost palpable anger and and hatred for those who have perpetuated an event like this. And and Jesus understands that. Jesus knows how we feel when we are attacked either as a nation or personally. Jesus knows the feelings of shock and sadness and anger and, and desire for revenge that wells up within us. It's the most natural thing in the world. And, and at a time like this, it's, it's natural for us to circle the wagons in an effort to protect ourselves and those who we love. Our family, our clan, our tribe, our faith, our community. And in the process, sometimes we ignore or even despise the rest of the world. That's natural thinking. That's human nature. But my friends, it is not God thinking because God's people are all people. And that's why today is so hard for Christians I read somewhere that among many tribal peoples the word for human being is also the word that they use for the name of their tribe. And what that means is that the members of a different tribe are by nef- definition not human. That's why for for headhunting tribes in the Amazon killing a fellow tribe member is considered to be murder, but killing someone from another tribe is simply hunting. This is the natural way for human beings to behave, to, to love their own and to despise the the foreigner or the stranger or the outsider or the person of another nation of, or a person not of our faith or our skin color or our socioeconomic group. This is the natural way. But my friends, it is not the way of those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. For you see, Jesus chose to to break with his culture. Jesus chose to break with the religious tradition of his day. And he shocked his listeners by declaring that the the old standards are out of order. You see, Jesus replaced those prevailing standards of taking care of me and mine and to hell with everybody else. He replaced that with a higher standard That is much more rigorous and much more demanding. The standard of loving those who hurt us. And praying for those who treat us as enemies. And I know that that is probably not what we want to hear on a day like this. But it is the word of God. I wonder if it is the providence of God, that the lectionary text for today begins like this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven Don't you think that's an interesting lesson for today? I mean, today of all days. A day in which we remember one of the most blatant and personal attacks in our nation's history. A day in which forgiveness is the last thing on most of our minds. And here comes Jesus reminding us of the ultimate lesson in all of Scripture on the subject of forgiveness. How do we as Christians balance our natural inclination for revenge and our God-given command to forgive. It's hard. It's hard. William Willimon, on the day after September 11th, William Willimon saw a couple being interviewed on TV. They were standing in on the street in front of the wreckage of the World Trade Center and obviously they were, they were in terrible grief and because their daughter had died the day before in that attack. And through their tears, they shared their grief with the reporter and, and the reporter, not knowing exactly what to say, finally said, well, I know that you'll be able to go to your place of worship this weekend and there maybe you can find some consolation in your faith. And the grieving mothers replied, oh, no, we won't be going to our place of worship this weekend because we're Christians and we know what Jesus says about forgiveness. And frankly, we're just not there yet. Wow. What a powerful story. And a very honest expression. And how we can sympathize with that mother. For you see, Jesus tells us to forgive our enemies. And of course, being human, the people who are responsible for this terrible crime that took place ten years ago are the last people on earth that many of us want to forgive. But we are called to follow Jesus. And we are called to live by a standard that exceeds our natural inclinations. And I know that that's not a very popular thing to say. It was not popular when Jesus said it 2,000 years ago either, but folks, let's face it. To follow Jesus is to follow a radical thinker. It is to follow someone who challenges us to turn away from those natural inclinations of of hatred and revenge and bitterness that we have and turn towards the more difficult spirit of love and forgiveness. So, my brothers and sisters, let us all confess today that forgiveness is not easy. But listen to this. Not forgiving can take an even greater toll on us than forgiving. Some of you may have seen a movie about five years ago called The Upside of Anger, starring Joan Allen and Kevin Costner. Joan Allen plays the role of Terry, an angry housewife with four daughters, and Terry is angry because her husband has run off with his secretary and lived to live in Sweden. As the plot unfolds, the viewer becomes involved in Terry's relationships with her daughters, and these relationships are quite dysfunctional because of the rage that Terry holds against her former husband. Well, the story gets even more complicated as Terry becomes involved with Denny, who finally moves in with her and also experiences the brunt of her anger at being jilted by her husband. But at the end of the movie, Denny is exploring the acreage behind the house for a new subdivision that they are planning, and the workers uncover an old well. But what do you think they found when they looked inside the well? They found Terry's husband. The one who was supposed to have run off to Sweden with his secretary, but who apparently fell into the well and drowned while walking his dog. You see, that, un- that infidelity never happened except in Terry's mind. But, but because she imagined it, because she imagined it happened, Terry adopted a lifestyle of alcoholism and abusive anger. And she almost ruined the lives of everyone that she loved. It's a sad, sad story. But even if her husband did betray her, surely forgiveness would have been a healthier choice than a lifetime of anger and resentment. But my friends, anger and resentment take an enormous toll on us as individuals and as a, as a society. Dr. M. Scott Peck, a psychiatrist, says that unless we are able to at least move towards the working of the work of forgiving the person who has hurt us, even the person who does not deserve our forgiveness, unless we can work towards forgiving that person, we will not have mental health. So you see, not forgiving can take an even greater toll on us than forgiving ever could. So I wonder... Is there anyone in this room who needs to be set free from the anger that you're harboring today? But here's the the thing, folks. Forgiveness is not easy. Just ask God. My friends, forgiveness is what the cross is all about. You see, on that cross, God forgave the sins of the world through the suffering of his son and. Any forgiveness that that we grant to others is built on what God has already done for us. After Jesus tells Peter to forgive his brother or sister, 70 times seven, he tells Peter a fascinating parable about about a king who decides to settle his accounts with his servants. And there is one particular servant who owes him massive amounts of money. But since this servant was not able to repay the money, the king orders that the servant be sold and all of his His family and his belongings. But the man pleads with the king, be patient with me and I will repay everything. Well, incredibly, the king takes pity on him, cancels his debt and lets the man go. But what does this forgiven servant do? Well, there's another servant who owes him some money, not very much. But he goes to his fellow servants, grabs him by the collar and begins to choke him. His fellow servant falls to his knees and begs him, please be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refuses. Instead, he has the man thrown into prison. But when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged. So they went and told the king about what took place. And the king called the first servant in and said, you wicked servant. I canceled all of your debt because you you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And so the king hands him over to the jailers to be tortured until he pays back everything that he owes. Having told this parable, Jesus said, This is how my heavenly father will treat you. Unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. My friends, this is one teaching of our faith that separates us from all others. We are To forgive others as we have been forgiven. And we are to even forgive our enemies. Why? Because God has forgiven us. Do they deserve it? No. And neither do we. God gave His only Son in order that we might be forgiven. And we, in turn, are to forgive those who have sinned against us. So do you see why I say that September the 11th is so hard for Christians? It's because forgiveness is so hard. and, And the reminder of that terrible day is a hard test of our ability to forgive. But the only way that we will ever be able to follow this hard teaching of Jesus is through the grace of God and through the strength of God's Spirit. It is hard to, for us to proclaim forgiveness when we simply don't want to forgive. And, and it's so difficult to break through that hard shell of anger and revenge that's so natural to us. But we who follow Jesus are always being commanded to do things that we cannot do. We're commanded to love those who are not lovable. We are commanded to serve without counting the cost. We are commanded, the hardest thing that we're commanded to do is the commandment to forgive. And we're all called to do it, not because it is humanly possible, but because as we try to do what God commands us to do, the ability to do it is given to us by the presence of Christ's Spirit. Tony Campolo has a friend who knows Nelson Mandela. And one day this friend asked Nelson about his ability to forgive. He said, Mr. Mandela, when you were released from prison, you marched across the prison yard to the gates of the prison. And as you were marching across the courtyard, the camera zoomed in on your face. And I will never forget your face. It was filled with anger and hatred. I have never seen so much anger and so much hatred written on, a, on one man's face, but, but that's not the Nelson Mandela that I know. How do you explain that? And so Mandela said, It's interesting that you should say that because as I left that prison and marched across the courtyard, I was thinking to myself, they're letting me go, but everything that was important to me has been taken away. My cause is dead. He did not know that it was not dead at all. He had been kept in solitary confinement for 27 years. But he thought, my cause is dead. My wife has been taken from me. Most of my friends have been put to death. Everything and everybody that means anything to me have been taken away. It's all gone. And I hated them for it. But then I remembered what Jesus said about forgiveness. And God spoke to me and said, Nelson... For 27 years, you were their prisoner, but you were always a free man. Do not let them turn you into a free man only to make you their prisoner. And I realized the importance of forgiveness. He's right, of course. We must forgive, not only because of what anger and resentment will do to us, but because forgiveness comes. From the heart of God. And we as Christians are connected to that heart. Do you remember the young man at the beginning of the sermon? His question is our question. How are we to know what to do in times like these when the world seems to have been turned on its head? Well, for those of us who are Christians, the answer is this. Seek and follow the way of Jesus. Knowing that the path is hard. But that Jesus walks with you. And will give you the strength to do the impossible. How many times am I to forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? No, I tell you, 70 times. Seven. There is no limit to forgiveness. Amen. We're going to share together the ordinance of the Lord's Supper now. Um, all are welcome. All are encouraged, because Christ turns no one away from His table. And so we encourage all of you to participate in the Lord's Supper today as we share this time together. We have the bread and the cup here in front, and we will ask you to come forward down the middle aisle to receive the bread and the cup, uh, beginning at the back and then moving to the sides and returning to your seat along the side. If you would prefer to take the traditional method, then you can stay seated where you are and we will have deacons at each row to to serve you at your seat. And as you do, go ahead and and eat the bread and and drink the cup. Um, Before we do that, though, I'll ask our deacons to come ahead and and take their positions and prepare for the Lord's Supper. But before we we observe the Lord's Supper, we're going to watch a short video and this was a, um, an interview that I saw just a couple of days ago on CNN. It's an interview uh, of Debbie Borza, who is the mother of a young lady, a young college student, the youngest person to die on the plane that crashed near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And Debbie is a remarkable person. If anybody in the world has a reason to be angry and resentful and bitter, it is her but she has not allowed that to happen in her life. She has um, turned a terrible thing into something positive, and she advocates now for the remembrance of what took place and a memorial uh, there at Shanksville. And she has given her anger over to God, and I think she's a great example for all of us. And so let us let us watch this video for just a few moments. And then at the end of the video, we will observe the Lord's Supper and we'll ask you to come and to share this time together.
6: Some memories blur with time, but that crisp September morning a decade ago is something I remember clearly. I was going through security at the White House. Just as the Secret Service ordered an urgent evacuation, the staffers were running out, some of them running out of their shoes, the Secret Service was worried about the changing flight path of a United Airlines flight over Pennsylvania. The 9-11 heroism aboard Flight 93 is now the stuff of legend, and I'm honored personally to be traveling to Shanksville, Pennsylvania this weekend as part of our coverage for the dedication of a memorial to the passengers aboard that plane. One of them, the youngest of them, was 20-year-old Deora Bodley on her way back to college in California. Her mother, Debbie Borza, not angry, but passionate now and passionately active in the Shanksville Memorial effort.
7: Dior was a standby passenger on Flight 93. Uh, Her girlfriend, uh, Allie, uh, dropped her off at the airport uh, on Dior's request. Allie was starting her junior year at Arleigh Dickinson and uh, her class was going going to start at nine o'clock, so Dior suggested that, you know, take me to the airport early so you could get to school on time.
6: And she wanted to catch that earlier flight because she was trying to get back to school.
7: Yeah, and she wanted to get back home early, too. She uh, needed to get herself ready for uh, her junior year at Santa Clara University.
6: And you found out how?
7: Well, I received a phone call from her boyfriend's mother at 710 Pacific. But I really didn't want to believe, you know, believe her at the time, and I apologized. I wasn't calling her a liar. I didn't want to believe her. And then Allie called me at around nine o'clock Pacific with big concerns that Dera was on flight 93, but it wasn't until 1220 Pacific time that I received my call from Sharon DeWitt from United Airlines. I was at Stella Maris, the Catholic church across the street from where I worked.
6: It is, uh, it is remarkable that you have funneled your energy Into the memories and the preservation and the memorial Mm -hmm. uh, Not into anger and resentment and retribution Um, It has to be difficult You're a human being Mm -hmm. You have to have anger Yes Um, Mm -hmm. Especially in those early days You had to have pretty virulent anger How did you deal with it?
7: Well, the anger um, lasted for a a couple of hours And then I was on the phone with uh, the president of Santa Clara University Father Locatelli And it was with his assistance that I ended up turning my anger over to God and uh, pretty much let him take care of that side, that aspect of of my life, and uh, so I could get on with things that were far more important. If I were to uh, think of a way to fill the void that I have, I'd much rather fill it with making a difference in the world than being angry.
1: What we are about to do is a service of remembrance. In a way, this whole service has been a service of remembrance and challenge. But what we're remembering here is another death, and that is the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The bread that we take is a symbol of the body of Christ that was broken as the bread has been broken. The cup that we take is a symbol of the blood of Christ that was shed for each of us. And all of this was done for you, for me, for the forgiveness of our sins. One of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I know the most common interpretation of that is that he was talking about the soldiers who nailed him on the cross or perhaps the the powers that be, Herod and Pilate. But I think in some way he was also talking about you and me and all sinners down throughout history because that's what the cross is all about, our forgiveness. And so as we take the bread... As we take the cup, I want you to ponder that today. And I want you to think about the words of Jesus. The sacrifice that He made and what He said. Father, forgive them. We invite you to come. God's grace is so good. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, number 615, titled Forgiven. If there's someone who needs to make a commitment to Christ today, we invite you to do that. If there's someone who would like to unite with this church today, we invite you to do that. If God is dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come forward as we sing together, number 615, Forgiven.
8: in this week. Uh, we won't want to forget the church picnic this coming uh, week from today at 4 p.m. Check the weekly e-news for more information. Also uh, today as you came in to worship we had a survey the nominating team is getting ready to work and you'll want to complete that and be sure to get that into either Pam Gardner, would that be a good person to give these to or the church office or the offering plate what uh, just as long as we get them in. Uh, Another thing that we need to be aware of this week is that we're having a fundraiser at Sureway for missions. That's Friday and Saturday. I saw Christine uh, uh, taking uh, names for people to help. If you don't have the opportunity to help, at least come by and buy some because they do support all the ministry efforts we here at Community Baptist Church are trying to do in the community. Another thing that you want to be aware of is that we have a new Bible study group. Jika has started a new Bible study group right over here in this room, and she's carrying on what a a tradition. I always have said about the Allen family, they can say a lot of words in a very short period of time that make a lot of meaning. So you will want, if you're not plugged into a Bible study group here at uh, Community Baptist, you'll want to participate in that. It starts at 945. Joy lunch this Tuesday. Thank you, Pam. As we came this morning to... Remember to forgive. Thank you for being here. Tim?
1: We ask that you continue to heal the wound of our nation. That you would continue to comfort and sustain the families who still suffer their losses. Forgive us, O God, when we give in to hatred and when we nurse our grievances. Make us your ministers of reconciliation. Make us... Instruments not of hate, but of your peace. Make us builders, not destroyers, and healers, not avengers. We give thanks for the shining spirit of courage and and self-giving love that emerged from 9-11. With such models of heroism before us, let us renew our commitment to work for mercy and kindness for people all over the world. Help us to identify for ourselves those sources of light that cannot be shaken by terror. May we find in you an unshakable place to stand. Keep our hearts tender, O God, and and our minds alert to the needs around us. And may we all seek out and find the works of love that we can do for you. Through Christ we pray.